Hello and welcome to episode 283 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, and we've got a special guest on the podcast today. We don't have Bryson, we don't have Jacob, we have Tobias, good friend of all three of us. You're making your podcast debut. How are you, man? Not bad. Good series win. And yeah, like I said, the listeners probably have no clue who I am. And yeah, you're right. I'm just some <laughs> rando, but I'm kind of like, you can consider me the Ernie Clement of the podcast. Call me up. Okay. I'll try to be serviceable and worst case scenario you'll just never hear from me again maybe pitching a blowout every <laughs> once in a yeah. while yeah <laughs> yeah but uh yeah I, I mean you mentioned it, a series win for the blue jays i think uh a lot of the same problems still plaguing them that we've been talking about for weeks on end hitting with runners in scoring position hitting at all in some cases uh but of course the pitching comes in clutch in this series of blue jays win two to one and six to one in the final two games of the series after a tough three zero loss in the series opener. Uh, I, let's start with the offense because that's kind of the story of everything. It's where the Blue Jays are lackluster right now. Uh, the first game was really frustrating. Um, it was a story this season with the runners in scoring position and the struggles the Blue Jays had there. I guess since you're new on this podcast, we can kind of get your assessment on it from the outside looking in. Where do you stand on the Jays offense this season? What's your frustration level? What do you think isn't working right now? Yeah, so I'm usually one of the it's early fellows. So even April, May, when they were stuttering there, I was like, ah, give them a chance. But now, you know, we're pushing end of July or not, sorry, end of July, near the beginning of July, end of June. So something's got to give. So yeah, first game, especially when in the first inning, they got the first two runners on no outs and they just come up and be handed empty handed. That's when the frustration start to kick in again. Cause you're wondering why is this team seem to be allergic to hitting with anybody in scoring position? especially when you have Vlad hidden fourth, the big boys behind him. So I still am on the side of they eventually they can't stink all year round, but there's got to be a point where you're like, well, if they're not going to, there's nothing we can really do at this point. So I still have hope. This second game, the sixth one, especially when they started out hot in the beginning, that's when I was like, oh, they finally done it. And then kind of cooled off at the end. But I, they're just too talented on paper to be this bad. I like that take. I, I don't agree with people who say, like, burn it all down. This team is terrible. Like, they are, at the heart of it, a good team. And, you know, I've been saying this all year. But I think they'll find it eventually. It's just really frustrating to watch them flounder and not find it for months on end. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear you say or refer to the fact that it is early because – uh, the Blue Jays just reached the halfway point of the season, not at the series finale, but the middle game with the 6-1 win. And it's interesting because we talk about this season as, at least so far, being such a huge disappointment or frustration to watch. And they had a 44-37 record at the halfway point, which is the exact same record they had last year at the halfway point after 81 games. So that kind of puts in perspective where the Jays are right now, where I think a lot of people are viewing this season as massive dip disappointment, frustration, missing on the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. But you look at it now, like Jays in a playoff spot for part of this series, 
same record to the halfway point that they did last season. And I think expectations are higher this year after the changes they made in the offseason. But bottom line, you're halfway through the year and you're in the same spot. It's not a terrible spot to be in. Again, frustrations are there. And frustrations are, of course, everything that we've been talking about lately. But I think you can also um, you can also take hope in the fact that they are you know, a fair bit of the way above 500. They've got some series before the All-Star break where they can really tee up on some teams and get to maybe that... 10 games, 8 games above 500 range. Um, so it's not the end of the world. And I'm glad you're a little bit positive as well. Yeah, and like you said, same record as last year at this time. And this year, I would say probably a little more adversity. You have Alec Manoa being absent, even when he was on the roster. So you've dealt with that. And that kind of touches on the second game where the bullpen, Trevor Richards, Bowden Francis, these are guys probably the beginning of the year, if you were telling them that they were clutching up a good win, you're wondering, oh, who got hurt? Not that Alec Manoa's in the minor leagues. But without Trevor Richards, the series would have gone differently. And I remember back April when he was going through his difficulties, I was honestly one of them being like, ah, maybe time's up for good old T. Rich and we should send him the way of DFAing. That's why I am not employed by the Blue Jays in any sense. <laughs> because if he was gone, yeah, who knows what where this team would be. Yeah, he's been clutch for them, just to put it into context. Uh, three innings pitched in the middle game of this series. One hit allowed, one walks, only two base runners, zero earned runs, five strikeouts uh, to that one walk. Um, yeah, he's been really good, and especially in the absence of Alec Manoa, he's coming clutch. I'm curious what you make of this, because I, I, I think people have been starting to talk about it, but what do you think about the possibility of stretching Trevor Richards out? Like, does it make sense to try to push him a little bit? Because by and large, he's been really, really good this season. He has a 3.07 ERA in June, a 3.26 ERA on the season. And in the couple starts he's had, I guess the three starts now that he's gone out there, or three bulk appearances, whatever you want to call them. Um, I mean, one inning, 1.2 innings, three innings, no earned runs allowed in those outings. And then you go back Minnesota on June 10th. Zero in runs, three innings, one hit, one walk, so a very similar line. And then, of course, kind of the one blowout he's had in his bulk role, which was three innings, three earned runs against the Texas Rangers on June 17th. But by and large, he's been great in that new role the Blue Jays have tossed him into. And when you have this absence in the rotation that no one is really itching to fill, right? There's no Ricky Tiedemann coming up in the minors and banging on the door. Hinjin Ryu is still, I mean, as things stand now, he hasn't really gotten into any game action. So we're probably looking at a month minimum for Hinjin Ryu. And of course, the All-Star break plays in there and you can probably fiddle with the off days a little bit. But point being, there's no one knocking on the door. Do you try to stretch Ricky Tiedemann out or do you just, or sorry, do you try to stretch Trevor Richards out or do you just kind of keep him where he is and don't mess with something that's so successful right now? Yeah, that, the thing, like I do think he would do well if he would be stretched out, even just going for five innings when asked. The only thing I'm concerned about then is taking him out of the bullpen. I know like Zach Pop's still on the IL, correct? Mm -hmm. This is just yeah. like, we don't, do we have a time frame for when we can expect him? Do we know or? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, him, because Simber's on the I.L., but, I mean, he yeah. just really hasn't been the same since at all this year, even especially after his last I.L. stint. So that's just my one concern, is if you move him out of the bullpen, then there's another void. Because even when he's not doing the opener roles, sometimes you see Schneider turning to him in, like, the seventh inning, and he still, you know, sits them down, clutches it up for a high-leverage role. So it's interesting how, like, once again, if you told me this in April that we could rely on Trevor Richards to do either opening 
in a bulk role, and then like four days later, give him a high leverage situation, I would be shocked. But I'm happy that he's proving us wrong this way. But yeah, just to circle back to the original question, I do think he would do well stretched out as a starter, like well for his terms. I'm not saying he's going to go seven innings, striking out 11, but yeah, just give a serviceable five, allow three runs. That's all you can really ask for out of a fifth starter, considering what happened if when we were sending Manoa out there. Yeah, anything is a step up from Alec Manoa right now, especially the appearance that we just saw from him in the minor leagues, which, I mean, I don't know about you. I don't really want to read into that, but when you see yeah. those numbers in the Florida Complex League, like, those are bound to jump off the page. No, and I, I mentioned this in the Discord as well. Just It was funny seeing on Instagram that the at All Sports News, which usually only posts, like, the biggest news in all sports, they had a post just dedicated to... Alec Manoa blowing up in the minors but I do agree with you that reading into those numbers too much like I see both sides one he's facing 18 19 year old so maybe he shouldn't get lit up but on the other side that also means he has you know 18 19 year olds behind him on defense so maybe things are squeaking by the wouldn't and also I saw some of Blue Jays journalists on Twitter saying that in starts like this he might be tinkering with one specific thing once again I didn't watch the game I don't even think it was televised or anything anywhere all we have to look at is that ugly box score. And yeah, it is very bad, but I know we can only hope that something turns around soon, but I don't know. Every time I think it's rock bottom, it just seems to get lower <laughs> for our opening day starter. Hey, we could be watching the Mets right now. We could be cheering <laughs> yeah. for the Mets. It could get worse. And the Mets seem to find a way every time to make it get worse. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought like one of the good things about Alec Manoa going down to the Florida Complex League was that he was going to be out of the the spotlight, like he was going to be able to tinker th with things and, like you say, face 18, 19-year-olds without anyone watching. And apparently that's not the case. No. He can't get into a game without people watching because that was everywhere, right? It wasn't – I oh, mean, All Sports yeah. News, you mentioned that, like talking baseball, John Boy was on it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Barstool was on it. Uh, I know Jared – I think Jared Krabis tweeted about it. He probably did. That's the type of thing that he follows. So, like – I thought he was getting out of the limelight and he was finding somewhere he where he really could just work by himself and tinker with things, and that doesn't seem to be the case. And so I don't think it helps him at all that we're all talking about it. Like, even the fact that we're talking about it here is, it just proves the <laughs> point that, like, there's a lot of stress on him, and I think that's what he kind of needed to get away from when the Blue Jays were sending him all the way down there, and I, I don't think it helps it. He's not getting away from that, that everyone's shining the spotlight no. back on him. But it's even um, brighter, you could say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, and they're just like, oh, if he's doing this in the minors. But yeah. You know, I, there's two sides to that argument. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm not, I don't think I'm reading all that much into it, but I think it's just kind of like, I don't know if ironic is the right word or sad or I don't know what the right term would be, but it's just like watching that performance all the way down there. It's, uh, it, I don't know. I, I can't describe what the emotion is seeing that that box score. It's just kind of, yeah, I don't know, disappointing. No, it's weird. Just, it's yeah, sad. This he was a yeah. Cy Young finalist last year. He was like one of the the most reliable pitcher we had last year, and it was just awesome that you know finally there was like oh all these other teams have pitchers that homegrown promoted like Degrom before he left. Obviously, that's what we're thinking. Like we finally got one, and then, eh. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I think it's almost like a maybe not out of body experience, but out of fan base experience. Where like I'm a fan, but like seeing that line for the first time, I was like, I'm not that concerned. 
but I just know it's going to blow up and people are going to overreact to this. And I think that's kind of oh, yeah. what the reaction was. I can understand why. Like, I'm not criticizing anyone for reacting that way. But um, and while we're on the topic, when do you think Manoa comes back to the majors? Now that we've seen him blow up in a Florida Complex League game, what do you think his ETA yeah. is right now? I know Ross Atkins said yesterday that it, he's still expecting it to be this year, but maybe because well, we're about to be July. And like you yeah. said, maybe with off days, all-star break and Ryu coming back, they can kind of tinker with sticking with the four man with an opener every now and then. So I hope by August or September, if he's proving himself well in the minors, but if he's still getting blown up there, like if it's something where you just have to wait till next year, that's what you will have to do. Like for the greater good of the team, it's like we saw that last start against the Astros. It was just, you, we couldn't be trotting him out there every four days or five days to blow up like that. It's not fair to him, the teammates. So just when he gets it right, which as a show today, I'm or when his last pitch was, I don't know if that'll be anytime soon. I hope it's sooner rather than later. I'd love to be proven wrong in like three weeks. He's up throwing seven shadowed innings, but however long it takes, just wait it out. Yeah, I think the worst thing the Blue Jays can do is rush him. Like, they, mm-hmm. they need to give him time to tinker with it and figure it out and, again, get that pressure off. Um, but get to back to, to, to get back to our original conversation about <laughs> Trevor Richards. Um, just looking at his baseball savant page, and to your point, like, the Blue Jays, if they move him out of the bullpen, I think they do uh, lose a key reliever, and that's pretty clear. And I think what they lose is a swing and miss that Trevor Richards brings, mm-hmm. which I don't think like any of us would have said last season, but the swing <laughs> and know. miss stuff from him this year has been absolutely phenomenal. You look at his baseball savant page, K percentage, 97th percentile, chase rate, 99th percentile percentage, and whiff percentage is 97th percentile. So those are very, very elite numbers among the best in baseball. I mean, it shows itself in the expected batting average and expected ERA where he's 97th percentile and 87th percentile respectively so uh, I think if you move him out of the bullpen and kind of stretch him into that more longer term fifth starter role you lose that kind of swing and miss that the Blue Jays need in the bullpen like they don't have a lot of guys who are able to accomplish that and so I think that's something that should be a concern if we're having the conversation about moving Mm -hmm. him into the rotation but at the same time I think like like he's shown he's capable of doing it I'd be willing to give it a chance for maybe one or two stretches through the rotation. Like, maybe try to get him to four innings. If that goes well, try to get him to five innings. That's probably the best you're going to get out of Trevor Richards, but I'm certainly not opposed to it. And obviously, there's like the 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 assumption that the longer he pitches, the worse he's going to pitch because guys are going to figure him out, and he's not going to be as dominant third time through the rotate third time through the lineup as he is second time through the lineup. But I still think it's something worth trying at this point where the Blue Jays are. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about the offense, um, just based on what we saw. Um, more than that, I want to talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We talked about him last episode a lot, whether he's back, whether he's not. He finally hit his first couple of home runs at home, and he had another one in the series finale today. A very clutch home run that won the game for the Blue Jays, and he's going to be hitting a lot more home runs in the very near future. He's headed to Seattle for the All-Star Game. Not the All-Star game, but the Home Run Derby, which falls on July 10th, 8 p.m. Um, I've said this time and time again. The, all, the the Home Run Derby, to me, is the most exciting day on a baseball calendar. Like, give me the Home Run Derby over the World Series 
it's just so, so entertaining to watch. And I'm so glad Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is back. Because that day in 2019, when he had 91 home runs and whatever it was, like seven minutes or something cumulative <laughs> over the, all the rounds, just absolutely insane. And that performance, along with other performances we've seen, I mean, Shohei Otani, we've seen Pete Alonso go crazy. Um, I absolutely adore the home run derby, and I'm so glad he's back in it. And hey, he hasn't really found his swing yet this year. Obviously, he's got it a little bit over the last week, but maybe a home run derby is what he needs to get going. Yeah. So yeah, the 2019 home run derby, that Blue Jays team was obviously terrible. They almost lost, what, 100 games. So that home run derby was the only bright spot of that year. And yeah, I remember watching it because summer night in my the basement of the house, just all by myself, going nuts in front of the TV as yet home run after home run and i liked how uh because schneider pitched to him 2019 obviously before he was manager when he was still i'm not sure if he was with the majors or still in double a but how he's still gonna go out road trip to seattle with him do it then and yeah i completely agree that you know other sports have their skills competition nba has the slam dunk contest but those sports they don't really seem to draw like the a-list the S tier athlete sort of thing. Like this year, NBA slam dunk competition. I somewhat follow basketball. I like to think maybe a little more than casually when the names came out for that, I hardly recognize any of them. Like you don't see LeBron or the big, the big boys doing that, but baseball. Yeah. Like you mentioned, Vlad Shohei did last year. Juan Soto, Albert Pujols even did it last year. His old ancient body did it. It's just good to see. Cause you know, this, I know they sometimes have problems the second half of the year with, you know, health-wise. But for the most part, this is what they do every day before the games, batting practice, and you get to do it on the biggest stage of the mall in front of the best players in the league. It is just, yeah, a fun atmosphere. You get to see the players from different teams chop it up, which as a fan is always fun to see because you see them on the field angry at each other, but when they're just buddy-buddies, it, you know, warms my heart. <laughs> I also think it's a little bit of a way for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to redeem his first half of the season. Like, I think, like, as much as that 2019 season was not good for Vladdy, I think that home run derby and the performance he had there kind of redeems it for a lot of fans. We have some good memories from that that kind of wash away some of the other struggles. And so I think, like, obviously the second half of the season is going to massively outweigh this. But I think if he has a very awesome performance and kind of captures the zeitgeist in the uh, home run derby and, you know, goes on to absolutely mash in the second half, I think we're going to remember this season totally differently uh, maybe that's giving too much credit to the home run derby. I don't know. I just love the home run derby. I'm so excited for it. I'm so excited that Vladdy is back in it. And uh, I just I just can't wait to see how he does. It's going to be awesome. Uh, speaking of the All-Star break, we do have the full list of All-Star game starters that came out earlier today. Um, surprisingly, no Blue Jays made it into the American League lineup. Um, we had five finalists. And not a single one of them was nominated to be in the starting lineup. The first thing first, I think, is to say, I I don't know if you agree with this. I guess I can ask you. Do you agree that Bo Bichette was the only deserving all-star on the Blue Jays? All-star starter? Absolutely. I know Okay. stats, people will point out Seager, but Seager's played in so many less games. And yeah, Whit Merrifield being an all-star finalist, good for him. He had no right starting that game, being a reserve. Just because, yeah, he's a good player. Is he an all-star? No, and that's okay. But completely agree. Bo, what, he leads the league or is close to the lead. Lead, 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 there we go. In hits. Yeah, I'm sure he'll get in as a reserve, but yeah, it does sort of hurt 
because I know I was, it's a bad thing to do, but I always love to jump in Instagram comments or Twitter replies and get in battles with people. So all of America <laughs> was quite happy when all the Blue Jays lost. So I was fighting for Bo Bichette's honor in those because, yeah, when it comes to that, it is a popularity contest, which, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a fun way to engage the fans. Although I will say one thing about MLB, they want to grow the game. The first time I went to submit my all-star ballot, it had me fill out one of those captcha things and i had to do it five times and then after i completed it my entire ballot was empty so i was just like i'm not doing this anymore <laughs> so yeah if rob manford could make that a little quicker next year that would be good but yeah it's still fun we'll still get a few blue jays i'm sure but we'll get as a reserve gosman will probably maybe romano or something like that but yeah no starters it should have been bow but an only bow yeah like, I, I'm not disappointed about Vladdy missing out. As much as we just praised him and excited about him being in the home run derby, like, his first half of the season, he is not worthy of being the starting first baseman. Yeah, like like you say, same for Merrifield, same for the other finalists, Kevin Kiermaier, Matt Chavin. <laughs> None of those guys deserve to be starting in the All-Star game. And uh, that's coming from, you know, us two, Jays fans. I think a lot of Jays fans realize that, and it's kind of laughable that, yeah, it is a popularity contest. The Jays got 30, 30 million fans, so they had the numbers on their side, but these guys did not deserve to start, except for Bobuchet. And so it is a little bit disappointing that Bobuchet is not starting. Uh, Texas has got a lot of starters. They got Jonah Heim at catcher, Marcus Simeon, very much deserving at second base. And as you mentioned, Corey Seager at shortstop, taking Bobuchet's spots. Um, they got third base starting, so they got tons of starters. And then, of course, National League Atlanta's got a bunch of starters, Los Angeles has a bunch of starters as well. And then uh, Miami, very deserving second base, Luis Arias. Um, so I think by and large, like the fans got it right, but there are a couple blemishes on that record. And Bobachette is certainly one of them. But I mean, we can recognize that no one else deserved it from the Jays. Um, speaking of Bobachette, he had a good series. Again, that's not a surprise for Bobachette. He had the ball hard today. Didn't have much to show for it, but had a couple hard contact hits. Um we talked a little bit about Trevor Richards outing. We didn't talk about Kevin Gosman or Chris Bassett. Bassett back to not calling his own pitches. Alejandro Kirk came off the injured list and was calling the pitches, and it seemed to go very well. I mean, that start couldn't have gotten better for Chris Bassett. He struggled with command a little bit, a couple hit-by-pitches, a couple walks. But besides that, didn't get into much trouble. Uh, left the game with zero in runs after six inning pitch, 104 pitches on the night and then of course Kevin Gosman stellar as always another double digit strikeout night for him and I should mention Chris Bassett set a new career high in single game strikeouts as well so um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on those two pitcher performances yeah I know with Bassett uh, he had maybe one or a couple pitch clock violations but with him other pitchers if I get it I might get slightly annoyed but Bassett you know he's just a, a very professional guy that I understand that when you have 18,000 pitches you keep on shaking it off it's fine and for the most part yeah he still gets out of the jams like you said a few times runners on they got out of it one thing I like recently with John Schneider's for like the the bigger guys like Gosman Bassett and Brios he has no problems letting them get up to like the triple digits in pitches and you know finish out an inning even if it means you know hitting 110 I know Gosman a few times has gotten higher this season like the 110 115 range so just from, I know, a fan perspective, it's dumb, but to trust in the those guys, like, you know, we're paying them enough money and they're making, they're proving that they're worth it, especially 
Bassett this year. He had a rough few starts before, but I mean, he's seemed to go back to his normal self, which speaking of the Mets earlier, I'm sure them watching him leave and then perform like this, they have a little bit of regret. So far, that three-year $62 million deal, it's looking right about bang on for what the Jays paid for. Um, okay, any other standouts from this series before we get to a little uh, series prediction for Canada Day weekend? Yeah, I liked how before the series, I just saw a lot of clips on Twitter of Brandon Belts, you know, being sarcastic humor with his old friends at San Francisco. And as the self-proclaimed world's biggest Brandon Belts fan, I also like to see that clutch walk he had today, which proved to be an important run on that Vladdy home run. And yeah, the Brandon Belt renaissance continues. I agree with him that he was robbed out of the All-Star game and Shohei probably rigged those million extra votes he had got over Brandon. But yeah, he's just a funny guy. But aside from that, in all seriousness, one thing I did like today, and this is actually not even on the Blue Jays, but Jock Peterson, he's always been a player that I want, like just thought would be good on the Blue Jays. And seeing him make his first you know, defensive start, he had that one throwing error, but those two like sliding and diving catches, he just completely aside, but he's just a fun player. And one of these days, maybe it'll be like a Kevin Kiermaier situation where the Blue Jays finally get him and he just becomes a cult hero here. That'd be fun. Uh, yeah, that one uh, kind of over the shoulder catch, um, really frustrating as a Jays fan, but also <laughs> yeah. really, really stellar catch from him. A whip Merrifield had another catch where he was kind of ranging backwards. It wasn't quite as impressive, but it was a good catch. Oh, and then Dalton Varsho, uh, Dalton Varsho had a little bit of a scary moment where it looks like he misread a ball off the bat, yeah. and he kind of came in and stood there for a second and then realized he was going to go over his head and sprinted back. And in the end, it looked like a good catch. It was only because you misread it off the bat. So that was a little bit stressful in the moment as well. Um, yeah. Another funny moment uh, was the, oh, sorry, the umbrella when that was on the field. You kind of saw oh, Wit yes. Wit making fun of Dalton for a bit. They're not realizing it was behind him for a minute and a half. Which, <laughs> you know, after some of the trades last offseason when Teo and Lourdes were gone, people were kind of like, oh, you're going all serious, you know, winning over culture. But you can even the new guys, it's so easy for them to fit in fit in and have a good time with each other, which similar to that home run derby take I had, just seeing like the personal and the friendly side of the players is always a fun part. Yeah, for sure. Um which relates to Brandon Belt, because he did have a lot of fun this week, uh, with the all star voting and then with the uh the Giants' former team coming to town. Um that was a pleasant surprise. I didn't expect him to have this sort of dry humor. Um, and that's been a lot of fun this season. Um, his, his game today was not great. I know you mentioned the clutch walk, and it was a clutch walk. But some of those other at-bats were some of the more terrible at-bats I've seen this season. I mean, those first two at-bats especially, just three big swing and misses on every single pitch. And I know like it's tough. You're facing velocity in a starter. He's, what, 34, 35 years old. He's getting up there, but at the same time, those were kind of brutal at-bats. So it's a little bit of give and take with uh, Brennan Belt. But, uh, okay, weekend series against the Boston Red Sox. Canada Day weekend. Canada Day falls on Saturday. Saturday, it's going to be Yusei Kikuchi on the mound. Um, Crawford is going for the Boston Red Sox. He has a 4.01 ERA. Before that, Friday night, tomorrow, it's going to be Jose Rios versus 
The Canadian James Paxton, it's a shame James Paxton didn't line up for Canada Day. That would have been perfect. Uh, Paxton has been very good this season so far. 3.19 ERA. And then in the series finale on Sunday, July 2nd, we got Kevin Gosman versus Garrett Whitlock, 3.01 ERA. So overall, pretty good pitching all around. Um, Or sorry, Whitlock is a 5.15 ERA. I mistook it for Gosman. Gosman's got the 3.01 ERA. Um, So as our guest for this podcast... You get a series prediction. What do you think it's going to be? I'm going to go just thinking out loud here. So Red Sox mm-hmm. have been in a bit of a tailspin recently. They just got swept by the Marlins. Lost, I think they're three and seven in their last ten, and they lost five in a row. But you know, I'm just going to go with old reliable. This might be a, a cop out. I'm going to say Blue Jays win two out of three. Do I have to pick the specific games, or can I just say that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, if you pick I'm this, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm gonna go. They lose tomorrow, and then what they did this year. So lose the first game. They they got to win on Canada. It'll be you know packed Rogers Center, the festivities. You say on the mound, and then I would like to hope that with Gosman starting, he'll do his normal stuff, and hopefully the Blue Jays can at least score one or two runs as a treat against a guy who has a five plus ERA. See, that's the problem for me. Is what we've seen. With Kevin Gosman on the mound. This is a little bit of a Jacob argument. And I'm kind of ashamed of myself (laughs) for making it. But Kevin Gosman isn't getting any run support. And just the way it's been trending lately. If there's a bad pitcher on the mound. And Kevin Gosman is pitching. The Jays are going to get shut out. They're going to get one or two runs. And they're going to lose the ball game. So just because of that. I'm also going two two out of three. But I think they're going to lose the series finale. With Kevin Gosman on the mound. Which I'm not proud of saying. It's a very Jacob argument to make. But uh He's not here, so i got to make up for it. So I'm going to go. They take two or three. They win the first two, lose the finale. We do have a guess in from Jacob, or, or sorry, from Bryson. We don't have anything from Jacob yet. Bryson says the same thing um, as you, Tobias. He says two out of three, and they lose the first game on Friday. So Bryce either way, right all of us. History. Well, we'll see. I don't know. All of us have them winning the candidate game regardless. So at least there's that bonus. Um Okay, well, thank you to everyone who tuned in to this episode, a little special episode. We hope to have Tobias back, um, hopefully sooner rather than later. But as always, you can support our podcast everywhere by checking out the link below this episode. You can find our YouTube, our Spotify, our Instagram, our Twitter, our TikTok, our Bias a Coffee page, our Discord, where you can join and chat with Tobias. You can chat with me. You can chat with Bryson Jacob and 70 other Jays fans and podcast fans in there um you can rate and review our podcast spotify apple podcast wherever you listen which just helps spread the word about what we're doing and we're very much looking forward to a packed house on saturday under the sun hopefully not too much uh, wildfire smoke in the air <laughs> we'll catch you next time